three, two, one. Welcome to the Dave of the Dog Trainer podcast, episode 87. Today we're joined by Taylor from A Proper Pause for a second time. Yeah. Let's get her on. Launch meeting. There we go. Just record. My goodness, everything is working. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Taylor, hello. Hi. Hi. Let's make sure we can hear you here. Oh, there we go. There we go. Hello. How are you doing? Wonderful. How's it going? Going well. Feel like I'm seeing a couple old friends now. I know. <laughs> Can, yeah. You? Congrats <laughs> on being the first ever returning guest. Actually, no. <laughs> Tim was on twice. You're you're the first ever virtual uh, returning guest. So this is great. Still an honor. So things have been wild lately. What's going on? Oh my gosh, things have been <laughs> really wild. Um, <clears throat> primarily, just kind of like the growth of proper pause in general has kind of been a little bit mind blowing, but has also been really exciting yeah. with that. And so, primarily, the um, I mean, I, I don't want to say only the virtual growth, but I feel like the virtual growth is kind of the most apparent. Sure. Yeah. But also like the in-person growth as well. And I could not be more excited about it. So, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. I think so. When you were on the podcast last time, I think you were at like 6,000 followers on Instagram, somewhere around there. Uh, and I, I think I remember like every now and then I would like go on your page and like see what you were posting and stuff. And I'd be like, oh, it's at like 14. Oh, it's at like 25. Oh, it's at like 40. And then I remember I checked <laughs> back, like, I think it was like maybe three or four weeks ago or something like that. And I was like 90,000 followers. <laughs> I was like, where, where the fuck did that come from? I was like, holy shit. That's so cool. I was, I was like, just like watching it climb. And then it started turning into this game where I started just like checking it, like, every couple of days just to see like how much it would grow and i think i checked yesterday and it's probably at like 300 at this point but i think it was at like 102 or like 103 or something like that which is insane yeah uh, i'm at 102 and honestly the the growth has been i i mean i kind of been a little bit at the same where <laughs> when i hit like that 10,000 mark i remember I was in Park City with one of my really good friends mm -hmm. and I was like, I'm about to hit 10,000. This is a huge goal. I'm so excited for this. Mm -hmm. um, and it was something that I, I had been kind of working towards in the sense of like figuring out how to utilize the insights and figuring out the niche and what people want to see and all of that. And so kind of trying to figure that out. Mm -hmm. um, and so I remember in, in May, I was in Park City with a friend. I was like, I'm about to hit 10,000. This is so exciting. And then after that, I was like, not even a week later, it was like 20,000. Yeah. And then like a week later, it was like 30. And then yeah. the next time I saw her, I was at 50. And I was like, what is happening? Yeah. And so at first I was kind of um, a little bit caught off guard in the sense of like, where is this going? And when is it going to stop? Mm -hmm. Um, but it was something where I kind of just doubled down on it and really started looking again at like the insights that Instagram provides to you and how I want to utilize social content. Because I mean, I hadn't, I started doing social content, like really taking it seriously within the last like couple of years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and utilizing kind of the feedback from my followers and 
I mean, I still like, I, I've been getting people messaging me saying like, we're from Poland, we're from Wales, we're from Japan, we're from Australia. And I'm like, Oh my God, like, this is like so humbling and I love it. And I can't like, I'm so happy to like meet you guys and help you. And so, yeah, it's, it's been, I mean, it's, it's been mind blowing yet really exciting at the same time. Yeah. A hundred percent. And that's, you know, obviously we got a couple things we want to get into today. One of the big things I wanted to talk about was that growth. And especially since now hearing like you did have a little bit of a plan for it, as far as like when you started noticing it climb, doubling down on certain things and stuff, I definitely want to dive into some of that. Um, (laughs) so we've, you know, we've had a handful of posts here and there go, you know, quote unquote, like viral, right? Like with like whatever, 3000 likes, 4000 likes, something like that. And I remember like every time it's happened, my phone being in my hand, just like buzz, 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 buzz. And it's like every three seconds, like you're getting a notification or something like that. Did you like have to turn off the notifications at a certain point? Like, like, was it just getting like really insane like that for you? Oh yeah. I had to turn, like <clears throat> to be able to sleep. Yeah. I had to turn off the notifications. <laughs> Um, it was actually one of my biggest annoyances of Instagram that I found is because you can only pause notifications for up to eight hours. Really? You can't like, Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so like when I would go to like pause or like to turn off notifications and I, I learned this cause I wanted to just turn it off for a little bit. Um, and I went and it was like, okay, notifications turn off or pause. Um, and then it was like, do you want to pause it for 15 minutes, an hour, two hours. Oh my like, gosh. It's like, no, for, for sure. I'm like, yeah. I want to stop it for like two days. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I had to like keep going in and like repausing the notifications. Oh man. And like trying to pause it. But honestly, it was like the only way I got to sleep That's because infuriating. Yeah. Because I'm now like having the followers like across the world. Sure. Their time differences are different. And yeah. so mm-hmm. then it was like, it would be like hectic and then a pause and then hectic and a pause. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And so (laughs) wild. So have you started, so obviously I follow you on Instagram. Have you started doubling down on like other platforms and stuff lately? So the way I have decided to go about social content, um, I've kind of personally for my own personal choices, I decided I'm not doing TikTok. I don't want to do TikTok. It's chaos I don't like on there. TikTok, honestly. Yeah. Um, so that's a platform that I'm not interested in doing. Mm-hmm. I you can find me on TikTok and I have like seven videos sure. or something like that, but I had one of the videos go viral and it was like I don't know. It was like fun at the beginning. And then when I started getting like all the hate comments and everything, I was like, y'all, this is a video of like just my dogs running. Yeah. Like I don't, <laughs> if this is getting hate comments, I don't want to know like yeah. what your feelings are about other things. Yeah. Um. And so I really focused on Instagram because that's the platform I'm the most comfortable <clears throat> on. And then my goal for over the holiday season is to start up a YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. And that's something I haven't done yet, but it's something I've started looking into out of um, requests from a lot of my followers wanting a deeper dive on videos. And I just, I know that's the the best way to do it. And so might be coming to you guys for some tips on your YouTube channel. (laughs) I I think YouTube is such a cool platform because like our, like 
that's been the one channel I would say that has had the slowest but steadiest growth of all of them. But it's gotten us some of our most like loyal followers because of the fact that it's such long form content. Like we do literally every other day, like a 30 minute to hour long daily vlog, which is just like every lesson I do in a day, fully recorded, fully edited and put together and put the podcast on there, all that kind of stuff. And it's been a really cool platform because the algorithm, something with the algorithm on it too, like your vi- like we have videos from when we used to film them like four years ago mm-hmm. that still like pop off every now and then and like will just pop up in people's feeds because it's such a search engine. You know what I mean? Like if people type in, hey, how do I teach my dog how to walk or how do I teach my dog how to do this? It doesn't care if the video was from yesterday or if the video is from 10 years ago. It'll still show it to them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a great platform. The other thing that's been wild on uh, YouTube is the view counts on like the shorts. Those are like the best investment of your time. And literally all we do is just cross post all of ours that we post on like Instagram and TikTok and all that right on there. And we've had a couple of them that like have done like, you know, 50,000 views and like literally like 30 minutes, 45 minutes, stuff like that. Cause it'll just like throw them out there into the ethos to people. It's been a cool platform for sure. So but um, TikTok, oh my God, it is a that is a brutal platform, man. It, it's ridiculous. Like I thought at first, like the first couple times we had posts like pop off on there, and we would I would just like get bombarded for like five days of like the most awful, like ruthless comments like ever. And I was like, oh my God, is this just like us? Is this this? And then I start looking on other people's pages that are doing like farming or like <laughs> like something like dumb like that and i see the things that people are telling people on there and it's just I, I don't know what the deal is with it but it's like people have nothing better to do than go on and just literally rip people to shreds on it <laughs> it's pretty crazy yeah and and honestly i i feel like and this is again my personal opinion i feel like tiktok is a little bit of a younger generation mm-hmm. that is very quick to criticize. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Instagram is a little bit older and wanting to learn. Yeah. And then I feel like YouTube is like, it's YouTube university. People yep. go there for literally yeah. like every how to bit of information you can possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of, I, yeah, I mean, I've had people reach out to me as like tips of like how, like, what would you advise to like a social creator like starting out or yep. a dog trainer starting out and building content and stuff like that. And I mean, the number one thing and the first thing that kept coming to mind is don't feel like you have to go on every platform all the time. Sure. It, it may be beneficial. It may be great, but mm. it might actually be more beneficial to target a platform that you like and you understand, and it's mm-hmm. going to have a less chance of burnout and just being able to enjoy it a bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think doubling down on it and being able to focus on like the sole analytics of one page, you know, like you'll be able to grow it faster and you're still going to get those results, you know, like, yeah, yeah I, I would completely agree with you with that. Yeah. So cool. So, um, what was it that really made you start taking the analytics and stuff seriously? And like, what sorts of like trends did you start noticing as far as how you started doubling down on some of that kind of stuff? So I started utilizing like, so I started looking at the insights and the information that Instagram provides you, such as like locations. And Mm -hmm. um, the one that I really focus on the most is the time of day where I have the most engagement. Um, And it's something that I've tested out a few different times just because I've tried to like go against it where I was like, well, maybe I'm only having 
an uptick in engagement because I'm constantly posting at the same time. Sure. And so I kind of tried to go against it and test it a little bit. I normally test or post like videos or any form of post at like 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. each day. Um, and so a couple of times I was like, well, what happens if I do this at like 5.30 or 6 p.m.? Mm-hmm. Um, and those were always the ones that started out like super slow and then eventually would take off. Yeah. But the ones that I like really focus on the insights did at the 9 a.m. when people were expecting it and utilize that information. Those were the ones where it was like I would see 20 to 50,000 views almost instantly. Yeah. And so I was like, OK, like I need to really pay attention to when my followers are on the account or on their accounts and utilize that. Yep. Um, the other thing that I utilized was information from my followers in the sense of I would often do, and I'm, I'm sure you've seen, and a lot of trainers do this when they do have downtime or when they're traveling or anything, but I would post like Q and A's on my story where people were welcome to send me any question they want. And then I would repost their answer to the story and be able to build that. And I started noticing like there was obviously trends on similar questions people were asking. And I would take those questions and then build reels around those answers to give more information. Mm -hmm. So it was, it, it wasn't just information I was wanting to share and reels that I view are important. It were information and reels of my followers on their struggles and what they wanted to focus on. And a lot of social creators don't have that insight when it comes to a hundred percent for a fact, this is what people want. Mm-hmm. And so I just really utilize the information people were sending me and building my content off of that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, yeah, I, I have noticed you've done a lot of those Q and A's. Um, I, I actually, when I started noticing you doing them, I did, I think I've done one of them so far and that was, really fun but ridiculously time consuming oh my gosh and then i didn't even realize the whole like like you have i think it's like what is it 24 hours or something like that to get back to all of them and then they all just basically disappear (laughs) so yeah so i've made a mistake once and i will never make this mistake again so you can i get can you i'm pretty sure if you go into archives Mm -hmm. you can pull up past questions. I just don't think you can actually respond to it. I think you can just see the responses. Yeah. Um, but the mistake I learned was I posted a Q and a, I think I had done like 30 questions at this time. Yeah. Um, because I was, it, it is, it is insanely time consuming. Um, and so I was doing it. I had answered like 30 questions. I was only doing it while I had like an eight hour, availability type thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I kept getting questions like into the next day and I was like, well, I don't want people to think like I'm ignoring them, but I don't have opportunity anymore to answer. So I, you know how stories have to stay up for 24 hours. Yeah. I went in thinking, well, all the stories have been answered. Like all the questions, I'm just going to remove the question box, but because (laughs) it removed the question box, it removed. Oh no. Oh, 
all of that. And I was no. like, oh my God, yeah, no. spent so much time on this. That was the first thing that I did once I realized that it had like a 24-hour cutoff on it. Because I think I saw you post that. I think you posted like, hey, sorry guys, I'm not ignoring you. Like I, you know, it mm-hmm. went away or this or that or whatever. I went sure, I made sure that every single one of them that I did, I like archived in the, uh, like the stories archive thing you could have on your profile. <laughs> it's like, oh, like I'm keeping, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I was like, I'm yeah. making sure I'm keeping every single one of these and just have like a little Q&A box on there that people can go in and watch. Yeah, and I have the same. So I have, cause I, again, that's something that a yeah. lot of the people ask for is like, can I have a, like, can you add this to a highlight mm-hmm. so we can go back and reference it? I was like, absolutely. And all of those questions were added into the Q&A highlight, but because they weren't technically up for 24 hours, they had all deleted. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what I ended up doing is I, I posted a story. I was like, I'm so sorry. A mistake was made. All of these got deleted from yesterday. However, the questions that I can recall because it deleted it, I couldn't go back to see the questions. I was like, the questions that I recall, I will focus on those sure. as the content that I'm posting over the next few weeks. Yeah. And that's what I did. And so, cause I wanted to make sure like, the thing is I get so many messages mm-hmm. every day and it's still just myself. Yeah. And so it's something where I try to reach out to as many people as I possibly can answer as many questions as I possibly can. Sure. Um, just because I, I do, I, I love having that like authentic connection and being able to help people as much as I can. But I also have my in-person clients. I still yeah. have my family. I have my responsibilities too. So yeah, yeah it's a it really work. is doing what you can. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one thing that I remember Josh and I used to do a lot of, like when we used to get like a lot of like questions. And again, I'm sure we weren't getting anywhere near as many as you were, but piggybacking off of, you said you wanted to start doing the YouTube channel. You should start doing mm-hmm. like a, like a one hour every week, like Q and a show and just posting that up on YouTube. And then you could like break up like bite size, little like reels and stuff from it. And, like kill two birds with one stone. Mm-hmm. That way I feel like people feel like they still have that even more personal engagement touch. I feel like that'd be sweet. Yeah. yeah, that's a fantastic idea. And something that I've kind of been thinking about, I just still yeah. have a fear of like doing lives and yeah. videoing. Yeah. Like y'all are the only people I've done this with. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, for sure. It's uh, something I'm still trying to get comfortable with. Are you, do you follow like, uh, do you follow any sort of like obviously non-dog trainer, like business channels, social media channels, anything like that? Are there like yeah. any places like that you draw inspiration from? Um, yeah, so I follow the the one that really stands out to me. His name is Brock Johnson. Brock. Oh, yeah, 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 I'm familiar with that. Yep. Yeah, so he's the one that I follow the most when it comes to like Instagram updates and suggestions sure. and stuff like that. There are a couple of other ones that I follow as well. I think, but he's the most, he's the primary one that I focus on. Yeah. And then when it comes to, um, like business and connecting with your followers and being authentic. I follow Gary V and I just absolutely love (laughs) everything that he says. So he honestly, my husband is the one that got me on to him and I've like, I watch his videos every day. So 
Yeah, Gary's great. There's uh it's funny you were talking about um obviously like, you know, as far as your insights looking at what do the people want to see and like almost like testing things through that Q&A. That reminds me a lot of like Josh and I recently have been getting into this guy. His name's Alex Hormozy. Um you've probably seen his face around the internet. He's like exploded in the last probably 6 to 10 months or so. Mm-hmm. And um same deal. He's a he's a business guy. He gets into a lot of like tips on growing your business and stuff, but he's also been massive on social media and talking about his growth of his channel because he basically went from nothing to like I think right now he's got maybe like 700,000 followers or something like that over the course of like same deal like six to ten months and he talked about his process of creating content for that growth was he would go in and he would utilize Twitter as his like test feed right so he posts seven times a day on Twitter right and just kind of sees what sticks out of those seven things And then whatever the top performing ones on a daily basis are, every week he goes in with his team and he spends one day, like four hours, generating like reels and shorts and content out of those top performing things that he noticed out of the week. Um, So that he made sure everything he posted once it went to his actual channels, whether it was his YouTube or his Facebook or his Instagram or anything like that, was going to pop off because it was something that he definitely tested and knew people wanted to see. So it's funny, like all this stuff, like it just like, it sounds like common sense, but the act of like going in and actually doing it is the hard thing. Like I even find myself in the traps like, well, we got to get something out. So like, let's just post something as opposed to spending a little extra time of like, well, we've noticed these things have performed really well, right? Mm-hmm. And we notice that we consistently get this question. Like, let's actually make something to that. Yeah. So, yeah. Really cool. Yeah. And there was another one that I <clears throat> thought was really fascinating. Another one that I follow I want to say her handles like modern Millie. Mm-hmm. Um, she's also a, a, like a content creator person, but the almost like Brock Johnson, mm-hmm. um, her thing is she'll go to <laughs> YouTube or like Google search and search a question. And if she can't find an answer, that is like the next video she makes. That's a great idea. And Or if she can't find like a real quick, clear answer, that Mm. is like how she starts to create a list of what videos to make. And I was like, that's actually so obvious yet so genius at the same time. (laughs) That's a really great idea. Okay. So one other question then too. Um, So when you actually make your posts and your reels, do you do all of your editing within the actual YouTube reels or not, sorry, YouTube Uh, the Instagram Reels app? Like, do you add all your text and like all your filters and stuff like that, like right through Instagram? Yeah, I I am not tech savvy for the most part. Um, So if it comes to clipping videos or like piecing videos together, I'll use CapCut. Yeah. Um, And then I literally just like download that video from CapCut and then put it into Instagram and then I just pull all the music, the text, anything like that from there. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because I haven't really found a platform that is easy for me and cohesive for like all in one. Yeah. Um, I the cap cut text and stuff I don't like. Yeah. And so it's just for me, it's just super fast to do it in Instagram. Yeah. Well, something else I I was seeing on like different YouTube channels and stuff, people talking about it is 
Instagram and TikTok and all those platforms like reward you for like editing through their software, right? So uh, oh. Gary's even talked about this before. Like if you post produce everything, so like Josh edits stuff on his computer and then we post it. Our media team does the same thing, stuff like that. Um, if you're not using all of their stuff, they're not going to push it as hard, obviously. So for the point of being across all platforms and needing to edit one piece of content, like it's fine. You're going to have less of a view count, but it'll still get out there. But yeah, if you're doubling down on one platform and you're doing everything through that, like they're looking at you as like you are an Instagram creator right now, right? You're not just a content creator, which I also think is um, cool and probably a lot of the reason why things have also exploded too. Yeah. Here's a good example. Honestly. Oh, sorry. Go I, oh, no, sorry, Josh. I was just going to say, I honestly, I didn't even hear that um, yeah. or know that. The one thing I did know is a lot of times people will post to TikTok and then repost to Instagram, but yeah. then it has the TikTok watermark. Yes. And that can work against you. Yep. Um, but I think it just depends on the algorithm because I've seen a lot of videos on Instagram with the TikTok watermark that have like 46 sure. million views. Yeah. And so it's like, Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think it's just the engagement. And that's the other thing. Engagement is super important. Mm -hmm. If you post, and that's one thing I've learned, if you post a video, I find it really important to then be there mm -hmm. as people are like commenting <laughs> or responding. So then you can engage back with them because the more engagement that you provide and have that also helps the video yeah. push further. Yeah. Very cool. What were you going to say, Josh? Oh, I was, I was just going to say I, I, I have firsthand experience with uh, <clears throat> editing like this really nice video, you know, put all this time and work in Premiere Pro and put it in After Effects and all this stuff. And it looked beautiful and it was great. It was all these cool transitions and everything, right? And then I posted it on Instagram and I think it got like 230 <laughs> plays maybe. And then, literally a, a couple of weeks ago, um, I went. I, I did a couple of shoots at these nice restaurants downtown, and all I did was take slow mo, like you know, like on my phone, like the slow mo thing on my iPhone, and just took like four different angles of me walking in and and like the the, the food spread, you know, as I'm taking the photos, and they got like six thousand views or whatever, and I was like. This took me like 30 seconds to make through Instagram, whereas the other one, you know, it took me like a couple of hours to make this beautiful piece. And I was just like, man, that that hurt me a little bit. But it, <laughs> it, it it's just the 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 tale, you know, that he's talking about is that if you use their editing software, they definitely are pushing it. Yeah. And that's another thing where um, I also learn is don't overthink it and don't overstress it yeah. because yeah. it does. I mean, I've, I've had similar things where it's like, I posted videos like, this is it. This is the one no. that's going to go big and it's like trash. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> what happened? Yeah. And then I'll post one that it's like, I literally took 30 seconds to put it together and it got like 2 million views. And I'm like, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it. Like, Wild. I'm just like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. so. Um, okay. So uh, to the point on like, so what do people want to see? What sorts of content were you finding was like performing the best? And, you know, how did you kind of double down on those types of things? Was it more just the informational posts? Was it a lot of your, because it seemed like a lot of your before and afters were your original, like really mm -hmm. exploding videos and stuff. <clears throat> like what sort of stuff did you notice as far as that? Yeah. So the before and afters, 
um, definitely mm-hmm. are always like the really high performing ones. Um, the informational ones are, but I've learned where if it's informational, but with text, it seems like it does better versus if it's a voiceover, yeah. which I kind of was a little bit surprised with that. Cause I was like, I thought the voiceovers are the ones that I can like really go into deep detail yeah. and be able to cover a lot versus the ones that have text. I can mm-hmm. only write so much sure. for you to effectively read it. Um, and so that was one that I was a little bit surprised where I did one where it was like, I had posted a informational how to with a voiceover and I'm like going back into this because I was like, I posted them within like two days of each other, maybe, but yeah. So I did an informational one of how to teach boundaries at the door. And that was with a voiceover. And then I did an informational one of like the quick turn recall game outside and utilizing it around distractions. The voiceover got 822,000. The one with text got 2.3 million. Yeah. And I was like, I like literally, one was on Monday, one was on Tuesday. Yeah. And I was like, and my insights don't have a difference on engagement mm-hmm. between those days and the hours they were posted or anything. And so yeah, that was really interesting to learn. Um, people do really like the how-tos. The other thing that I've learned that people really like is I had posted a video um, originally on my story and it was a video of walk me walking into the house with two Australian shepherds holding place and having the owner go and release them when I'm in the house. And I noticed on my story, it got more engagement than a lot of other stories. And so then I was like, okay, well, how would it do as a reel? So I then posted that as a reel and it's now at 2.7 million. And so I started taking the videos that I take as like little glimpse inside um, training sessions. If they perform really well on engagement within stories, then I make them into reels. And so it's kind of like your guy that you're saying with Twitter is like, I'll put a bunch of videos out there. And then whatever comes back with the most engagement, I'll kind of turn it into like a short clip reel. Um, But I have also learned that those are the ones that get a lot of comments of people almost like arguing or not agreeing with. Um, And it's just kind of where a lot of them, like, for instance, the one with the Australian shepherds, I got a lot of people that were like, well, this doesn't make sense. What if a burglar comes inside your house? What if you don't want to talk? No, this is like a 10 second view of someone walking in like it's very clear you can see the owner opening the door and walking to the dogs like if this was a burglar it would be a completely different situation yeah okay so So like yeah all right i'm genuinely curious right so like naturally for us like all of our criticism and hate is basically like oh my god like you guys use training tools you're abusing dogs this that blah, blah blah what like i look at your videos and like all the dogs are so like pumped and happy and you're using tree and it's like it's like everything everybody could want and they're well behaved right so like what sorts of things do people like the one you just described obviously like burglar coming in like when <laughs> is your dog not going to do anything like what sorts of criticism like are people really giving you <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> um, <laughs> 
Um, I mean, I've had to delete a lot of people criticizing the owners, mm. which I will not stand for. Yeah, yeah, in the for sense sure. of if you're posting <clears throat> criticizing the people I work with and yeah. the ones I've like built respect and relationships for, sure. it's a straight delete and block mm. right away for me. Yeah. Um a lot of them are primarily of <clears throat> like it's only because you have food or it's only oh, okay. because you're eating treats or so it's the polar uh, opposite of ours. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> there's always going to be someone who doesn't like your style. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, that I've gotten, I personally don't use harnesses. And sure. so I actually get a lot of people that say like, it's abusive to use collars. You yeah. should be trained on a harness. Oh I'm like, okay. You really can't um, win. And no, you can't. You can't. You can't. Um, <laughs> recently, recently, it's it hasn't been like hate comments, but it's been like people where I posted a video of like a point of view. You're training your dog to greet guests at the door. And it was with a golden retriever. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the comments I got were like, go ahead and try that with a terrier. Try <laughs> that with an Australian shepherd. Try that with a husky. And let's yeah. see if you can get the same results. And I was like literally tagging these people in like every video did it with those (laughs) dogs and it was doing this stuff and it was like then i started getting comments of and they're not hate but it was like comments of like goldens are so well behaved to begin with like (laughs) this isn't even hard and i was like i ended up commenting back which i typically like when it's stuff like that i typically don't but i ended up commenting back where i was like this dog is actually dealing with reactive and fearful behaviors towards people coming inside the home. Mm-hmm. This is not due to the breed. This is due to the ar- the owner's hard work. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. that needs to be recognized. Like we need to get away from this. Oh, you're so lucky or you have an easy breed or you have an easy dog. And it's like, no, we yeah. put in a shit of work. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. So the, yeah, the comments are ridiculous. And then sometimes you'll get, <laughs> you'll get, <laughs> And, and I try to not be like at this point, like I, I don't really let it like irritate me anymore. Like a lot of times, like I'll have fun with a lot of those comments. And like, I, I feel like I've become like the king of like the passive aggressive replies. Like, <laughs> but um, we'll, uh, we'll get the other thing that used to kill me. And we like we got something the other day, like on one of our YouTube videos, there's a dog doing like some off leash training and, you know, whatever. Good. This, that. And somebody commented, they're like, wow, this is great. And we don't teach like a, we don't teach a heel command, right? We teach a come command as our universal, like come to us and stay with us, right? Whatever. So the person's working this come command, right? In the, in the parking lot and stuff. The person commented, they're like, wow, this looks really great, but he really should be saying heel instead of come. Come's not right. I was like, well, it is. And I explained like the context of the way we use the camera. They're like, no, 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 no. That's not, that's not right. The, the come command is to get the dog to and, and whatever. We get into this argument and it's like, you're not even a dog trainer. <laughs> like, like, you don't actually even understand how a cue works probably. So yeah. yeah it's- I had one, I had one person that was like very, like, it was an interesting hill to die on, but she had commented on one of my videos where I teach I know traditionally heel is on the left-hand side. Sure. I competed in the American Kennel Club for 12 mm-hmm. years. I know this, but I believe it's very important that your dog knows to heal on both sides because there will be times in your life where sure. you need to switch sides. And if you don't, your dog will fight you. Yep. And so I posted a video of um, 
an owner walking past a dog as a distraction. It was a before and after, but the dog was on the right. Mm-hmm. And someone commented and was like, like that's wrong. The dog is always on the left and like all kept always yeah. on the left. <laughs> and then she like went into this like dog on the left, gut on the right, like almost like it was specific. For- <laughs> and I was like, this is not relatable. And so I was like, traditionally, mm-hmm. yes always no and then she like came back with like another response and then i was like all right i'm picking my battles i've said what i needed to say i'm like off of this and then i ended up having other followers that like then commented saying like giving their example of like why their dog heals on the right Uh and they're all extremely valid reasons and i was like this this is why you don't all caps always yeah. walk on the <laughs> one of my favorite things is when people start getting like when uh, at this point like I, like I said if I have some time I'll kind of like give some like you know funny replies back to people but my favorite thing is when a bunch of people that I don't know start arguing with each other in the comments and then I like can get the popcorn out and just like read it <laughs> so um so have you've never really I mean up until this point have you ever really had to deal with a lot of the constant like negativity and stuff like coming through on like the channel? No. Um, and that's the hardest thing because when I had like 7,000, 10,000 followers, mm-hmm. it was very like almost personal sure. in the sense where I knew the majority of my followers yeah, um, or I had worked with them yeah. and knew them that way. And it was something where even then in my stories, I would share like moments of my personal life. Like yeah. when my parents did their vow renewal in Vegas, like I shared that trip in my yeah. stories. And it was great. And then as I started to grow, it was very apparent that like people just really didn't care. Yeah. Um, and so, but I, I'm, I'm trying to still keep that like relationship and that connection, especially with sure. the people that I do know and just balancing it properly. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely when I started getting like that higher number of followers where I started experiencing more of the rude comments. Yeah. And at first it really was difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, my husband's the witty, the quick comebacker, like the really <laughs> funny one. And I'm kind of like the try not to take it personal, Sure. Yeah. but it still kind of hurts me on the inside. Yeah. Um, And so I ended up talking to another trainer and one of my questions that I had for her was how do you handle like rude comments? Yeah. Um, Because she's also a balanced dog trainer. And I understand like, I mean, even though we both get attacked, y'all get attacked a little bit more. We're the kings. (laughs) So I asked her like, how do you do this? And she was like, honestly, delete and block. Yeah. And at first I was really hesitant about it for some reason. And then after I started doing it, I was like, this is actually really good because one, it was really good for me where yeah. I'm not. Cause I, I would have people that would literally go into a post. They, ne- they didn't follow me. Yeah. They didn't like have any form of engagement, but they would go to a post and then they would just go into individual Reply comments. Every single comment. Like yep. Oh yeah. Post yep. Yep. the yep. mean comment over and over again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I was like, and then I started realizing, I was like, hey, well, if we're at a point where you feel the need to mm-hmm. post something criticizing or rude or a, like a, attacking someone else, this is not the platform for you. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. if you don't agree with X, Y, and Z, this is not the platform for you. Yeah. 
So I started deleting and blocking and it helped me personally and it helped build almost like a a community of people with like interests where I know it's a little bit of a safer area. Um, And so it's something where I just don't deal with it anymore. Yeah, I think that's the important thing with it. You know, I I went through the phase of like deleting and blocking a lot of people because we went through some waves of like like brutal weeks of just getting yeah. just smashed on different platforms with people. We've actually done a couple podcast episodes that are basically like our version of like David Reed's mean tweets. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, and 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 I went through that for a while, and then I started like thinking about like you get into then the scalability of the the delete and block, right? So like, let's say your page grows from like 100,000 to like 500,000, right? And then 500,000 to 700,000 or whatever, like you almost are going to hit a point at some point where you actually can't physically go in and delete and block everybody. You know what I mean? There's so much. So I've tried to kind of, I've tried to really curate it to like, I'm not, I don't want to, especially in the balanced dog training community, I think there's a big problem with balanced dog trainers pushing away any opposing view as well, right? Um, So I try to leave as long as people are not being like completely and utterly like absurd and attacking and not even towards me. I don't give a shit about what they say towards me at this point, but towards other people, like you were saying, like there's been people that have come on and like every, they'll go through every post you've made and reply to every person that is in the comment section of those. And it's like, that's absurd. Mm -hmm. Like you can't be doing that. Like you got to go obviously, but I try to leave up some of just the general criticism and like have like a, three second little like I'll give my point of view on the situation and then I try to like out of sight out of mind it you know um but it's I I can't even imagine I was listening to a podcast the other day with uh, this guy Roman Atwood who at the time was like the biggest YouTube sensation ever like he was like the original like 14 million subscribers YouTube guy and he was like a family vlogger right and he was talking about how you know when he started his page like he was just putting out his family the whole time and they were asking him like did you like, how did you handle all the hate towards that? He's like, truthfully, like, it wasn't a problem until it was a problem from the standpoint of you reach this new level of success that you never thought that you would get to, and you cannot avoid it. Like, you have to figure out a way to, like, kind of come to grips with it and, uh, you know, still be, like, respectful of everything. And I, I can't imagine, like, as you continue to grow to those types of levels, like, how you have to just at some point, like... I think even Joe Rogan talks about like if you tweet something, it's like you 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 tweet it and then you you put the phone away or something like that, and you just don't go into the comments anymore on mm-hmm. stuff. So yeah, and I completely <laughs> agree, and I'm the exact same way. I'm I'm not going to go through like if someone has a a little bit of like a different view or yeah. a sense like of an argument, it's like I'm not trying to create a platform where it's like positive reinforcement sure. choice is the only way. Yeah, but. it's the same thing. It's like, if you get to a point where you're just deliberately being rude and attacking someone, then no, this is not the platform for you. Um, and especially I even like started realizing it's like, if you're coming and you're attacking and you don't even follow, I'm just like, why are you here? Like you literally found the video and then just had nothing better to do. Yeah. Mm so Crazy. those are definitely where I'm just like, no, we're done. <laughs> yeah. Wild. Well, listen, I mean, I can't congratulate you enough on the, the, the growth that you've seen so far. So how have you noticed, so how has it impacted your actual business? Like, obviously you're still one person. You could only do so much, right? Um, mm-hmm. how, you know, I'm, I'm assuming like your demand for virtual sessions and stuff like that has skyrocketed through the roof, things like that. How have you tried to uh, handle all of that intake or what are your yeah, plans so- to be able to handle all that intake? Yeah, absolutely. So yes, it is still just me. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I, my virtual trainings absolutely have skyrocketed. And so I have dedicated multiple days a week just to like virtual to be able to, um, schedule as many people as possible and being able to help them as well. And then as far as my in-home here in Utah, I am currently booked out until next year. Mm-hmm. And so I've I've taken care of all like the scheduling wise of like who I can fit in. And so when people do reach out to me for in-home training, I offer them virtual training because virtual trainings, I can definitely do more of like answering questions, setting up plans, giving yeah. more of like, this is what I want you to do until we can do like in home. Sure. Um, just because I, unfortunately there's not enough hours in the day for me to do more in home, but I still want to be able to help. Yeah. The other thing I have done is I've created guides on Instagram where I will provide those guides to people where it's like, Hey, I'm booked out until next year for in-home. I have these available spots for virtual. If you're interested in doing so in the time being, here are multiple guides on how to teach place recall, um, heal and leave it. Mm-hmm. And which are like the four like foundational ones that I focus on. Sure. Um, and so I try to be able to provide as much information as possible And then I also use the reels and the videos to be able to answer questions and be able to do what I can to to provide as much information as I can. Yeah. How many hours of lessons are you doing a day? Like, or not a day, sorry, uh, per week, would you say? Like virtual and in person? Oh, Like, do you book like full days where you're doing like eight hours of like training? Um, so (laughs) it's something I typically don't talk about much just because it's, on the side, but I actually work a corporate job as well. Oh, Jesus um, Christ. Oh, <laughs> what are I, you, oh my God. Oh my, I feel like you just like dropped this like bomb yeah. on us right now. <laughs> so I work my corporate job from eight to five okay. and then I do oh in-home God. training from 5.30 to 10.30. <clears throat> and then I send all my clients recaps at the end of the night. So I'm typically doing recaps, scheduling, and answering emails from about like 11 to midnight or 10.30 to midnight, depending on when I get home. (laughs) Um, And then I do my puppy programs on Saturdays and I do virtual training um, on like after hours on Fridays when I can and Saturdays and Sundays when I can. And so it's- (laughs) That's insane. Like I- I like applaud your work. I, think. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's incredible. Obviously that is, that is a ton of work to be able to not only work that much, obviously like that's hard, but the juggle between the two, like I can't imagine needing to turn my brain like back and forth like that between like corporate dog training, corporate dog training. Right. That's wild. Yeah. So, I mean, do you want to do, are you trying to do this full time? Is that kind of a, a goal in the future? Yes. Uh, the goal is 2023. Um, currently to try to go full-time yeah. to proper pots. There are still a few things to figure out that we'll need to be able to do. Y'all are the first to hear this. Um, but that's, that's my goal is 2023 to go full-time. That's awesome. Well, you probably could do it right now. It would be fine. But um, yeah, I like the, I like the planning, you know, I like the getting things together, but that's, that's cool. Jeez, Very Louise, cool. Though. 
but that's oh, a lot. Jesus that's Christ. A lot. <laughs> so, just, I, I typically, <clears> the, the only reason and why I'm so hesitant to like share that side of it sure. is proper pause is like, no doubt about it. It's a passion of mine. Yeah. I've been training dogs my entire life. It's something that I see myself doing for the rest of my life. Yeah. And it's something that I love. And for some reason I have this impression that when people say like or hear that I still work a corporate job that they're like oh well you're not taking this seriously then and it's like you no. don't know how serious I am taking this though yeah I mean and you could so clearly tell that's... you would never guess I mean you you put yourself out there I mean it, you're literally working a full-time job doing dog training still it's just on top of another full-time job so yeah yeah so that's just something <laughs> where I, I've kind of I don't share regularly just because I kind of have this impression where people might take it the wrong way. Yeah. Um, but it is, I mean, it is my life for like right now. Yeah, <laughs> so. for sure. Is there like a, so, you know, and again, I, you don't have to get too deep into this, but like, is there like a, what's, what's taking you so long to pull the trigger full time? Is it just like, a, is it kind of like a, like that's the safety net kind of thing still, or you're just comfortable with that routine or, I mean, what's, um, yes, it's a little bit of the safety net yeah. in the sense of corporate provides health insurance sure. and mm -hmm. paid time off and yeah. a bunch of other benefits yeah. that a single owned independent business does not. And so that's just one of the things. And I do have like my husband, like the goal is like when I do go sure. to proper pause full time to go on to my husband's health insurance, mm -hmm. but um, he also works corporate and unfortunately it's a corporate position that often goes through, um, layoffs yeah. and, and reorgs. And so it's something that's not a hundred percent guaranteed mm -hmm. and have that security. Mm -hmm. So that's something we've taken into consideration. And so one of my main goals and what I've been doing this past year is creating like a emergency fund for proper pause. Sure. So worst case scenario something happened i didn't get a client for six months or something like that i would which, be okay which let's back up for a second that will not happen yeah it's a fear. it here, will not happen right over here booked out till 2023 yeah, right. already you're okay oh man I, that's crazy i try to yeah. think of worst case scenarios and I how get it. can i handle those or how yeah. can i prep for those i, I <laughs> totally know? get it well, uh, you know, another thing to keep in mind too is how you could get health insurance through proper pause, like for pretty affordable. I mean, we have health insurance like plans and stuff like that for all our employees. And it's really yeah. not that it's not that it's actually almost cheaper doing it that way than it is going like offsite for it. So, <clears throat> so those I'll are things we'll have to talk that. about another time. Yeah. 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 And I'm just saying, <laughs> can you imagine you're talking about, you know, the virality of oh my god if you uh, had your entire uh, week to dedicate to this like without all of that job yeah. oh man well i'm just saying when you finally do and you're just yeah. like quit the corporate job to do this and oh my god it, it would get billions of views yeah. i'm just saying yeah i'm i'm very excited and we've also been trying to create um I, i'm also trying to set up almost like a pr plan ish sure. but more in depth and like what I want to do for like my past clients and like the OGs and yeah. the ones that um are just really like the ones that have been supporting proper pause from the very beginning for sure and able to 
almost have like a thank you. Yeah. So that's yeah. always been a big fear of mine with like when you get into um, like explosive growth and like moving towards like a digital industry, like you, you hit a point where it's like, I'm sure your digital outreach and like people from other states and stuff has far exceeded your local, right? Like obviously there's way more people over the world than there is in just Utah, right? Um, and I always had this fear of like, if you get too far into that, you almost like forget about your OGs, you know? And that's something I've always tried to just continue to focus on is like those past clients, those ones from six years ago that, you know, back when my prices were like a third the cost that they are right now that supported us and referred all these people to us and this and that, still keeping them in the community, still hooking them up, you know, and trying to keep all that going. <clears throat> I feel oh, like yeah. it's so no, easy. But- my OGs in Georgia. Yeah. I mean, I I think about them every single day yeah. and most of them I'm still in contact with and yeah. still like keep up to date on like how their dogs are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but like <laughs> what you're saying on the world outgrows like Utah, yeah. my, it's actually really funny. My biggest location of followers is actually Australia. <laughs> <laughs> really? Well, it looks so, like you guys can move there as soon as you quit that job too. <laughs> there you yeah, go. no, it's if you go cities, it's yeah. Melbourne, New York, Sydney, Los Angeles, and Toronto in nice. that order. Yeah. And so I'm yeah. like, Salt Lake's not even on here. <laughs> like, where are y'all at? That's yeah, wild. <laughs> um, hell yeah. Well, listen, we'll we'll segue real quick here. I know you had a little topic you wanted to kind of get into. We could wrap on for a little bit here. So uh, ironically, obviously I, you know, we've run into a lot of, uh, situations involving this, you know, as every trainer has, we just made a post about it the other day. Obviously I saw you reshared, um, off leash dogs, man, untrained off leash dogs. Oof. What? <laughs> okay. So you messaged me about it and you felt like I, or I should say, I felt like you were kind of fired up when you sent that message. You were like, <laughs> Hey, I'm trying to fucking talk about this. <laughs> so, so what kind of, what kind of sparked this? What's uh, what's going through your brain with it? I mean, it's the thing is like my, my niche is reactivity mm-hmm. and reactivity, as you guys know, comes from a number of different reasons, mm-hmm. but there is no worse trigger than an off leash untrained dog. When yeah. we are trying to work with these dogs and overcome fear, frustration, or aggression Mm -hmm. in the sense of being out in society and Mm -hmm. being able to like, just be out in the world. And one of the things that I have just like, I don't know, I don't know if it's like in the sense where I'm not necessarily looking for it, but I think it's the fact that it's became more of an issue. It's becoming more apparent to me. Um, and it's just like, I don't know, the the fact that people don't understand or are naive to have the impression that just because their dog is friendly, that they don't need to train it or it can be off leash is mind blowing. And it does, it lights this fire inside of me because they don't understand how dangerous that can be. Mm-hmm. And the most important part and something that I communicate to all of my clients, especially the ones that have overly friendly dogs, is if your dog is off leash and runs up to a dog that is on leash, that is aggressive, and a fight breaks out, it is 100% your fault Mm -hmm. because your dog is the one that is not controlled. Mm -hmm. You either need to have a killer recall or your dog stays on leash. Mm -hmm. 
end of story. Boom. And the thing is like, and something that we talked about last time I was on the podcast was people with reactive dogs or even like aggressive dogs are having this responsibility where they're learning to train and work with them and keep them safe. And they're, they're coming out. They're not hiding their dogs in the house anymore and they shouldn't. But the other thing is like, people need to be considerate of that other dog. Yeah. And so it's, it's something where I have personally had situations where um, one of my dogs is, I don't necessarily define her as dog aggressive, um, but I have put in so much work into her training. Both my husband and I have put in so much work to her training. Um, but with her, we manage her space. She can be around dogs. She can walk alongside of dogs. She comes to my puppy programs for like a demo dog or a distraction dog. She has no problem. But if a dog comes up to her face, she will start a fight. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we understand, we know, and we manage her space. Mm -hmm. But it's also a situation where if we go for a walk with our dogs, we have to have a protocol of what to do if one of us yells out dog and what your next move is to make sure she's safe. And also the other dog is safe. And so we do this and there have been so many situations. Like I had one situation that I will never, I'll never forget. And it is such a, a good example of this situation is we were walking our three dogs. We turned the road to come home. And I was walking the shepherds. Nick was walking on our golden and this cavalier was in the front yard off leash, untrained owners weren't paying attention to it at all. And just beelined it full speed towards us. I hand Sterling to Nick. I scoop up Aspen because I mean, I can't get her away fast enough. She's 11. She's not going to run with me. And so I just pick her up and I hold her there until the owner can come get their dog and their dog is like jumping up my leg, trying to get to my dog and everything. And I'm trying to keep her head up. So she doesn't have this dog in her face. And she comes up and she picks up her dog and she looks at me down the eye and she's like, how dare you assume my dog is aggressive. And I look at her, I'm like, how dare you assume mine isn't put your dog on a damn leash. And I just walk away. And I was livid. Like the fact that she only took it personal in the fact that I assumed her dog was aggressive and the fact that she had no consideration to even fathom that mine could be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like, I don't know, this is a topic that really does get me going because it's a topic that I, it's just, it's so dangerous. It is so dangerous. It's insane. And like it, you know how there's like some things you just like literally don't have words for. It's it's one of those things where like I have a hard time like putting my thoughts together to even explain how much it infuriates me sometimes because it seems like it's such common sense, right? It seems like it's it's literally the most obvious thing on the face of the planet that like you can't just let your dog do whatever they want. But it, it's so disrespectful because it's like you go to these parks and you see these dogs that literally are just running the park. Like literally doing whatever they want to do, going up to anybody they want to go up to, you know, uh, jumping on whoever they want to jump on. And it's like the audacity you have to have to just assume that like, I just own this place. You know what I mean? Like this place I go to is now mine and we could do whatever we want to do here. It's just, I just, I just can't, 
I can't wrap my head around it. And then the people that do it, like how how angry they get when you like even imply that they shouldn't be allowed to do it blows my mind also. I had a guy one time at the park, he had this bull mastiff, it was like a young bull mastiff, but the thing was freaking huge, right? It was probably almost 200 pounds, right? And I watched this dog, same thing, like at any given time, probably 100 feet, 150 feet away from uh, this guy, like super, super far away, right? Uh, or yards, 150 yards. Uh, and I watched it run up to like three different groups of people and just jump all over them. And this is like an almost 200 pound dog, right? Like literally jump all over them. There was a family that was having a picnic. The dog went and barreled over their entire picnic, right? And I'm, I'm, and this is a big ass park rat, right? And I'm with this like young Bernadoodle puppy, like this thing's like five months old. It's pretty, pretty little, right? And we're just like as far away as we can get. We're all the way on the other side of the field. Got the dog in a downstay next to me. And I'm just like, I know this dog's going to run at us. I know it's going to happen. We're like trying to keep our distance as much as possible. Whatever. Dog sees us, beelines for us, right? I'm like, well, here we go, right? Take three steps forward, soccer kick this thing in the face as hard as I could. Didn't do anything, by the way, because it's a freaking 200-pound bull mastiff. He kind of stopped for a second. He was like, whoa, right? And then I just like kind of like holding the dog away, like keeping the dog back. The guy comes over grabs the dog and then got like an inch away from my face and told me he was going to find me and kill me. <laughs> and I was just like, really? Sir? Yeah. <laughs> really, sir? <laughs> oh and then, and then the other thing that kills me, right. is like, there was all these like witnesses that saw it happen and everything. Right. And so we called, like it was at the Metro parks. We called the Metro parks police. They come over, right. We explained the whole situation to them and they wound up writing us both warnings. Right. They wrote him a warning and they wrote me a warning. They're like, well, he said you kicked the dog. I was like, yeah, the dog was literally going to like run and like do who knows what to this dog right here. And like everybody else is there. They're like, what the hell? Like he's getting a warning, whatever. But same deal. Like so many situations like that. I had another we're walking uh, around the, the block at the facility we're at. There's a house there. There's this family outside with like three like fairly big like pity mixes. And we didn't see them. We go by the house. These dogs barrel at us. I had like two German Shepherds. One of my trainers with me uh, had a dog also. These dogs had us surrounded, like growling, snapping, like doing all sorts of crazy stuff like that. We're trying to keep them away at all costs. Same deal. The guy finally gets them back in and then comes out and same deal. Starts like threatening us again and stuff. And it's just like, Hmm. again, I, I, I just can't. I can't compute it. Like it just like it doesn't connect <laughs> yeah, how no. people can like think that that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like I like it's a different story if like I've run into some situations. You're walking down the street, a dog gets out of the house, the person's screaming the whole time, like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. They're trying to get the dog, like it wasn't intentional. And it's like, listen, like have some better control over your dog, obviously, but like shit happens, it's okay, everything's fine, right? They're like apologetic and understanding, but just the ones that just don't care. They just don't care at all. And it's like you know, we have these dogs that even if they're not aggressive, like your dog, like your dog is probably not an aggressive monster, obviously, but like likes their space on the walk. Right. And it's like you, you hit a point where we have clients that live certain places, you know, especially a lot of the apartment complexes and stuff in the downtown Cleveland area that have these like green spaces that have become like the non spoken like dog parks. Yeah. Right. That they can't even take their dog outside for a walk. Right. They can't even take their dog outside for a walk because they're going to get bombarded by a dog. And then their brain just goes to like, well, everybody else is able to do this. So now maybe my my dog is the bad dog. And it's like they're not. We have to constantly remind them like that's not normal. Like that's not okay that you should have to deal with that. Like I just I just don't get it. Yeah, it is infuriating. Yeah, it is. And it, it can be infuriating. And kind of the things that I mean, the the reason I'm just like so, so. 
I, I don't know. The thing that why, why this is so important is because a lot of times, because the other thing to keep in mind is like the dog's fear imprint stage. And with the second fear imprint stage being from six to 14 months, if anything happens during that time, that's traumatic to that dog, mm -hmm. it can completely alter their behaviors. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how many people I work with that they're like, my dog was great. And then a dog ran up and they got into a fight and now they're like, now they hate other dogs. And it's like, well, yeah. let me guess, did it happen between the ages of six and 14? And they're like, yeah, mm -hmm. it was like, when they were nine months old. And I was like, well, that's why, like, if it happens during a fear imprint stage, when they're going through that, then if it's traumatic, it can alter your dog's behavior. Mm -hmm. And that's why, like with my puppy programs or people that I work with, with younger dogs, mm -hmm. I tell them like, especially between like six to 14 months, do not take your dog to a dog park yeah. because they're unregulated. You don't know the other dogs in that park. Mm -hmm. And it's so important that you build successful relationships with other dogs. But yeah, no, it's just like, so one of the things that I do, because I often get the question of How do you handle what to do if you have a dog approaching you and it depends on the dog. It depends on the situation. Yep. Um, well, the one thing that I often say is like, especially if you know, like the other dog is friendly and just say like your dog is reactive and you're trying to create space. Um, I will literally just start backpedaling. And I'll just be like, here, here, here. Yes, let's go. Come on, keep going. And I will just like keep my dog's attention on me and I will keep backpedaling until that owner can get their other dog. Yep. And often when I do that, I can create enough space quick enough where that other dog isn't to me quite yet, where they're like, oh, whatever. Sure. And they'll go the other way mm -hmm. and I'll just walk away from there. Another trainer that I saw that I, I liked what she had offered was she puts a really heavy carabiner mm -hmm. at the end of a slip lead and she just puts the slip lead over her. And if a off leash dog is coming towards her, she starts swinging it. And that it sound like a barrier too. Yeah, exactly. The sound, the movement, everything, it creates a barrier. Yep. Um, what I use and what the reason I started using it was because I actually ended up talking with a, um, an emergency room vet and she had previously worked with uh, dog behaviorists. And what they recommend as well is I have a little can of citronella mm -hmm. spray that sprays up to 12 feet away. And that lemony smell is delightful to us, but is way too potent for dogs where it kind of pushes them away from you. It shoots 12 it feet? Like 12 feet. Jesus. Yeah. It doesn't wow. harm the dog. Yeah. It won't like, it doesn't hurt them in any way, yeah. but if you spray it at the dog that's coming at you, it's a great way to push them away from you. And it's also a fantastic way to break up dog fights. Yep. And so that's what, when I'm working with like reactive dogs in public, I have that on my belt and I am like playing bodyguard mm -hmm. with my client and their dog in the sense of, because all the time I'm also working with clients that aren't comfortable in those situations because they don't take their dog in those sure. situations for that reason. And so I'm trying to work with the dog challenge with the distractions, build the confidence of the owner and just play bodyguard in the sense of, I got your back. I will not let a dog come up to you. I promise. Yeah. And so, but the citronella spray is my go-to. Yeah. That's to great. Get the dog away. 
I think one thing that's important for people to realize is you have more control than you think you do in those situations. You know, I think a lot of people like the second they run into that scenario, they're like, there's nothing I can do about it. Right. Like it's, it's just going to happen. And if it goes bad, it goes bad. And this and that mm. where I tell everybody, I mean, we go to the park every single day with dogs, right. I've been doing this for nine, 10 years now. Right. And I've had maybe three situations where like I truly there was like nothing I could do about it you know what I mean like mm -hmm. tops three situations like and those were all at the very early stages of my career where I didn't know what I was doing and how to handle these situations effectively um, I think that you know if you have a if you go into scenarios aware right and you're being responsible as far as predicting stuff from happening before it happens there should be no reason why you need to truly run into that scenario where you can't handle it right like Obviously, like, yeah, I mean, same deal. Like, our go-to for that kind of stuff is initially, like, you know, the best offense is a good defense kind of thing, right? Like, there's so many scenarios that you could see that, you know, you know where dogs are off-leash, right? We know where these certain places are that people treat as the dog park. We know where the places are that people are more likely to have their dog off-leash than, than others, right? And listen, we just avoid those scenarios, right? I don't have anything that I need to prove that I can go walk through that place with all these off-leash dogs around and make sure that they don't come up to my dog and yell at owners and everybody have a bad time with things, right? Um, I think that from there, the, um, the process of just making sure that if you do notice trouble in a new place, right, you could usually predict this stuff from happening a mile away, right? So oh, like, yeah. it's like, oh, look at this owner that clearly has no control over there that's letting the dog, even if the dog is on a leash, like on a flexi or something that's going up to every person and stuff, you know, like go somewhere else. You know what I mean? Create distance. Oh, Wait yeah. until that person yeah. goes by, stuff like that, right? And then worst case, if you do get caught off guard where a dog is beelining for you, you just have to have a couple of different things at your disposal to be able to make sure the dog doesn't make contact, obviously. The citronella spray, fantastic idea. Um, our trainers, when they go out on walks, typically carry a pet corrector and an air horn with them, like one of those little bear deterrent air horns. Yeah. I'll tell you, those things are the move for stuff sometimes, <laughs> especially like actual dog fights, man, breaking those up. Shh could be very effective but something like that to be able to startle the dog away you know and then uh you know worst case scenario if contact has already been made and it hasn't quite turned into a fight yet at that point because usually there's those like five seconds of the dogs like sniffing and the owner pulls back on the leash and then suddenly it's like boom dog fight happens uh you know, I usually say if, if the owner is coming, just drop your leash then at that point. Like at that point, like removing the, you know, the tension and the restraint and stuff like that, especially if your dog is reactive and you know the trigger is the leash, can do a lot of good for making sure that at least it turns into a natural social situation as opposed to an unnatural, we're triggering the dog up with that leash kind of scenario. But you really shouldn't run into that situation where the contact has been made because there are so many things you could do to help make sure it doesn't happen. I think yeah. owners need to realize like your dog has to see you're going to be able to handle that situation, right? You look at reactivity and stuff like that at its core. It is the dog handling situations because it doesn't think that you're fit to do it on their own in a lot of cases, at least. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and I know for me and just exactly like what you're saying is a lot of times I will work at like schoolyards yeah. or something. So a dog will like come around the corner real fast sure. and typically we're, if we see it, we can act accordingly. Mm -hmm. um, but there's always like those owners that has their dog off leash at a school and the dog yeah. like runs around the corner and then beelines it and stuff. And so mm -hmm. that's exact same way. Like I always say <clears throat> never tighten the leash or yep. never try to grab the dog's collar. Yep. Um, 
because it can trigger. And that's why I like the backpedaling with my hear. And so we, we do during training, we teach a hear as like a redirect cue to get the dog to like turn towards you and start to follow you. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's primarily why, especially if I'm working with reactivity. Um, but a lot of it is if a dog does run up to the dog or to the other dog, the very first thing I always say is I either start yelling loose leash, loose leash, or Mm -hmm. I'll say drop the leash. Yep. And is it's essentially just the same thing because exactly you're right. Yeah. Depending on the dog, if you just tighten up, it can trigger yep. the situation. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. no, it's, there's a lot, it's a lot of like trying to teach the owners. And a lot of it is when I work with like puppies, a lot of the owners are like, Oh, it's fine. I just pick it up. And I was like, <laughs> you got a golden retriever. Yeah. That sucker is going to be too heavy for you to pick up in <laughs> just like six months. Yeah. And so, I'm like, we, we can't rely on that. We need another plan. And so, but yeah, it's, it's, it goes back to the thinking of the worst case scenario and what's your plan to do it. And it's the same exact thing. Every time I take my dogs out into public, if it's a store or a park or whatever, I kind of think if X happens, this is what I'm going to do. And that's the other reason why I have like on my Instagram of like, nice ways to say, no, you can't pet my dog is because people get put in these situations that they haven't thought of a response and they freeze. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, if you think of that response ahead of time, when you're in that moment, you know how to handle it. Yeah. I, uh, I try to encourage all my training clients to exist with their dogs in a mental state of, I call it cautiously optimistic, right? Like when things start going really good, like Yes, we're really happy about this. We can go do more things and stuff like that. But you always want to stay cautious of things that could potentially happen, whether it's you're socializing your dog with another dog or another person, and they've had a history of issues but have been great for six months, or you're going into a pet store and your dog is doing really great, but there's some other dogs there that could possibly come and invade the space and make things go bad or whatever. You want to exist in that space because I find people that are going through training, they typically start here, which is things are terrible and I'm never going to be able to do any of these types of things and everything's awful to here which is like everything is perfect and there's never going to be an issue ever again and i'm so overjoyed at where (laughs) i'm at with stuff and it's like both of those states of mind are going to get you into trouble right because in one state you're going to stop doing things with your dog altogether which is going to create issues and you're never going to feel like you can make any progress and in the other you do so much with your dog but you're not aware of the possible ramifications for the things that you're doing so you're not prepared to address problems as they arise right so mm-hmm. you want to kind of sit somewhere in the middle with that, I think. Yeah. The way I explain that, I, I like the way you explain it. The way <laughs> I kind of share it is you train for the moments you hope never happen. So when they yeah. do, you're ready for it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I also do it in the sense of like, especially with working with reactivity or even like aggression, when your dog is progressing, I always like, we always celebrate it and everything, but I always remind them like your dog is progressing, but it's so important to keep in mind where they came from Mm -hmm. because that's still a possibility if they're put in the wrong situation. Yeah. And so, and that's something where it's like, again, like with our dog, we haven't had a situation with her with another dog in God, I want to say like four or five years or something like that. Cause we've done, but we know what could happen. It's not like, I'm going to be like, Oh, we've been good for the last four or five years. Let's yeah. go play. Let's go play with the dog. You, you know what she needs from you in order to be successful. That's exactly. it. Exactly. So, 
Very cool. Well, listen, Taylor, I'm not going to take up any more of your time here. Uh, I enjoyed the chat again. Um, anything uh, anybody wants to add in to wrap things up here? I mean, I had something, but I, oh, I mean, well, no, 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 no. Josh, add it in. No, it, it's, <laughs> this happened last time, too. I feel like, no, uh, it's really funny that this is what you wanted to talk about today because literally yesterday, last night, I was on the TikTok feeds. The, and, old, uh, the old talk? Yeah. <laughs> that, I don't know if you guys have seen this or not, but it, it, this guy, I think it's Morro, California, and it's at a dog beach. And... <laughs> He, so he lets his dog. Oh, I heard about this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is wild. Yeah. Get ready for this one. Yeah. So he lets. I don't think I've seen this one. So yeah. so he has his dog off leash. I just and, saw this. And he lets too. his dog do whatever, kind of like the, the yeah, yeah. big dog he was talking about. And these people, they have a dog that's not dog friendly, but they keep, you know, you're supposed to keep your dog on the leash at the beach anyway, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so what he does if. His his dog comes up and like he's like oh you know gets in the dog's face and then the dog reacts you know because it doesn't like dogs and then uh, he recalls his dog and then he goes over and he like took this girl's dog and then just was like like put pinned it, it on the pinned ground it, pinned it on like, the ground yeah. and like shoved its yeah. face like in. there's videos of this guy like he'll let his dog run up to people and up to dogs and if their dog reacts he'll go over and like pin their dog to the ground like i don't even know how this guy yeah. hasn't gotten like shot at this point or something yeah like, and, and like, yeah and like his and the video shows like his girlfriend has his dog so the dogs aren't even together and then he's like shoving the dog and then the lady literally had to like tackle him and she like kicked sand in his eyes to get him off and he was like well your dog shouldn't even effing be here if it's not a friendly dog and like yeah. was blaming them for all this stuff and yeah. i was like it's wild yeah i mean it's just wild yeah like, you'll oh, eat. Go my god yeah this is this is the crazy thing i talk a lot about like the 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 world in general right and like particularly how we've integrated dogs into our life and like we're able to do like we've continuously moved at least here i'm sure you know from people i talk to everywhere right in this direction of like you could do more and more and more and more things with your dogs you could take them more and more places all these stores are becoming pet friendly all these restaurants you could take them on the patios etc cetera, etc cetera, right so dogs are now officially right at this stage where they could do basically anything that humans can do they can go anywhere that humans can go and there's been no rules or laws really like attached to what are the limitations with that right like what is the what is the common like we have our common courtesy of things we do and don't do as humans to other humans when we meet them out on the street but we haven't established that with dogs but we've already moved to a point where we need to have that established so now we have all of this ridiculous stuff happening that there's no control over and they really in a lot of cases can't even get in trouble for it because i know for example cleveland i don't know where it's what it's like uh where you're at but cleveland has leash laws right basically any Anywhere you go that's not private property, you have to have your dog legally on a leash, right? Columbus, which is obviously uh, a city just south of us. I used to have a dog training facility down there. They do not have leash laws in Columbus. They have signs posted at all of their public uh, spaces that basically say dog must be under direct control at all times, right? What is direct control, right? Like, what does that mean? Does that mean the dog needs to be near you? Does that mean that if somebody gets irritated by your dog, you have to be able to control them back to you, et cetera, et cetera? So, we ran into so many problems there where you couldn't take dogs anywhere because they legally were allowed to be off of the leash. And if there's nobody, 
there's no rules to define what's too much, what's not too much. You know, basically the problem we have with dog parks in general, there's no central authority figure of what are the ethics and the, you know, the, the rules associated with this. It's just yeah. insane. And it's, it's so frustrating. It is so frustrating. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm still like trying to wrap my head around the video yeah. you just explained to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just because, like, I know for like myself, I've had a situation where I was, I was out in a field um, with my dog. This was like years ago. Mm-hmm. And my dog was extremely well-trained. He was one of my show dogs. Mm-hmm. And so he was with me and this person came like off of a dirt trail. And I want to say his dog was like a German shepherd or something. And it came running towards me. And it was like barking and growling towards me. And my dog ended up stepping in front of me and stopped it in its path. Mm -hmm. Um, And the owner came around the corner and basically like literally cheered its dog on said like, that a boy show him who's boss. And I, when I tell you, I ripped him a new one. That is an understatement. It was like to a (laughs) point I was livid that the fact that he was, cheering his dog on to potentially harm mine or me. And yeah. after that, like I, I went to like the same like area with my dog. And I, every time I saw him like pull in and we made eye contact, he would immediately pull back out. And <laughs> <laughs> Good. Good. Like yeah. not long here. Um, but no, Utah I think is the same where there's no, there's no state law. Yeah. It's based off of like certain cities. Mm -hmm. Um, But the thing is, it's like unfortunate because there are laws, Mm -hmm. but people don't follow them. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so, and again, that's just like where dogs are in danger again. And it it is, it's, it's really infuriating in the sense of a lot of times I talk to so many clients where they, like you said, they they don't take their dogs out for walks and they don't do yeah. any of this stuff and they don't get to enjoy what they want to do and what they've worked so hard to do yeah. because they don't trust the other owners and they're afraid of another dog running up to them. And kind of what you said, Josh, is that guy's response of like, your dog shouldn't even be here is yeah. just asinine and the fact that he thinks that's acceptable like mm-hmm. yeah they had their dog on leash they were being responsible their dog was fine and his dog was the one that like ran up like if anything his dog should not be there yeah and so it's yeah no it's it's a situation that like it is a hill i will die on and it is <laughs> something that i will continue to like share of how dangerous off-leash unfriendly or friend off-leash friendly untrained dogs are mm-hmm. and it is something where a lot of my clients, when I do explain that to them, they're like, oh my God. And so I had one client that at the end of our program training together, I was like, do you guys have any questions? Do you have any comments? Do you have any concerns, anything I can help you with since this is our last session? And he said, no, he like thanked me for like the training and everything. He was like, honestly, my number one takeaway is how dangerous my friendly dog can be. And I was like, oh my God, yes, thank you. Like, (laughs) that's the one thing you're taking away from there. I'm happy. Yeah. I am so happy. <laughs> and so, and they did a fantastic job with their dogs. And so, yeah, no, I could talk on forever for this. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. 
You got anything else? Nope, that was it. <laughs> I just I had to bring that up. Is it good? I know she's gonna good, good wrap up point there. That was a wild video though, man. Yeah. I'm sure you'll see it because I, I think I just saw it yesterday. It just started going around. So crazy. Yeah, she's she's like I'm mm-hmm. looking it up immediately after this. Don't. Oh, I just know the off. moment yeah. I see it, I'm just gonna be like enraged. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's ridiculous. So, all right, Taylor. Anything else you uh, you want to add in? I don't think so. I think I'm good. I'm I'm. Thank you for having me again. I'm so excited. I love coming on here with you guys. It's so much fun. Yeah, it's been great. Um, you want to yeah, tell everybody the the links and stuff where they could find you? Sure. Um, my Instagram is at proper pause SLC. And my website is www.proper-pause.com. And I'm sure the next time I'm on here with you guys, I'll be able to share a link to a YouTube or something. But there we go. my Instagram is the number one source of all information um, with guides, how to's, before and afters. It's honestly the easiest way to get in contact with me as well. Um, as I'm, again, the one that views all of those messages and comments and everything else. So I'm happy to help anyone who has any questions or anything. But that's it. Love it. Well, it was great talking to you. We'll yeah. uh, we'll chat soon. And it's out there. Um, it, it's out there now. You put it out in the universe. Twenty twenty three. And no next, more corporate job. <laughs> no more corporate job. And you're gonna have YouTube. <laughs> yep. That's that's my goal. That is definitely my goal. Yep. All right. Perfect. All right. Take care. See Bye, ya. you guys. <laughs>